Welcome to Strong Words with Ian Strong. I'm your host, Ian Strong, and thank you so much for joining me today because I got a great episode lined up for you, a sports-themed episode, because now that the 2020 MLB season, this crazy roller coaster of a makeshift season has concluded, one of the most unique and strangest seasons of my lifetime, I'm ready to talk some baseball, and I'm going to do that with the guy I do every time I talk baseball, and that's the former sports broadcaster for Wink 104, WITF-TV, and PCN, Mark Shuey, and we are breaking it all down. We're going to start from when we last saw each other and recorded a podcast together, which ended up being two days before Major League Baseball suspended games because of the coronavirus pandemic. And we're going to take it from there. We're going to talk about the labor dispute. We're going to talk about the restarting of the season, all the rule changes that were implemented in order to get this 60-game abbreviated season in, what we thought about the rule changes, what we thought about the season in and of itself, who we think the awards are going to go to at the end of this postseason, and what we could look forward to as the offseason is now officially underway. So let's get into my conversation, a 2020 MLB season review and postseason preview with Mark Shuey after I do what I do every episode, and that's play a little music that I personally recorded every instrument for right here for you on Strong Words with Ian Strong. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. It's good to see you. Glad you're well. Oh, thank you, Ian. It's always great to see you. Good to be back in the hot seat here. So just to jump right in here, I I wrote a little timeline down of everything that's happened since we recorded our last podcast, because for those of you who listen, if you listen to the show regularly, and I hope you do, when we recorded this podcast, we were expecting baseball in March slash April, and we didn't get that. We recorded the podcast on March 10th, and on March 12th, baseball decided to shut down operations due to COVID-19. Then on March 16th, the podcast aired. And baseball decided to shut down indefinitely because back on the 12th, they only said that they were going to do it for maybe two weeks. Right. And then the expectation was at the outset, uh, you know, they thought, "Eh, two weeks. And then maybe outside shot Memorial Day. Yeah. Startup. And I thought, okay, well, we can live with Memorial Day startup. And and back then it seemed feasible because we knew so little. Yeah. (sighs) Boy, how much uh, much has changed. All right. So... Going back to the timeline, baseball postpones everything indefinitely on March 16th, and then labor dispute happens. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, it's the business of baseball, but it really turned me off to baseball this year. I mean, it was the first of many things that turned me off to baseball this year. So, for those of you who are unaware about what the labor dispute was about, it was the ownership and the Players Association couldn't agree to terms as to how many games would be played and how the players would be have their salaries prorated in order for them to be paid for the time that they're playing. Because originally, the owners wanted to do like 112 games, and then it became like 90 games, and then it became 80 games, which even 80 games would have been half a season, which, I mean, that's... When's the last time that happened? Like 1994? They, they did like half a season? Yeah, and, and I think the uh, once it got to beyond the 80 games, personally, I thought there was no chance of a season at all. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they ended up agreeing to a 60-game season. I remember texting you that day, like, I would almost rather have no yeah. season than what's, a 60-game season. What's the point? Yeah. And, you know, I think I think some of that, Ian, was saving face. Yeah. Because imagine, baseball is the summer, the summer game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, baseball, would because of this labor dispute, would have been sitting on the sidelines, no sport. We would have been watching, sports fans would have been watching hockey. 
because mm-hmm. hockey playoffs were underway. Basketball playoffs were underway. Football was ready to get started. And there's baseball, the summer game, in the middle of summer, taking a breather. Yeah. So uh, so the, the optics on that would have been really, really bad. So they, they had to do something. Uh, I'm with you. I think the 60-game thing, you know, I, I well, love watching baseball, but what was the point of the season? Well, the point of the season like I said, is the business side. It was, it was for money. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And most of the money, particularly in baseball nowadays, is made through TV deals. It's not made through right. attendance and all this. I mean, I'm sure it right. made a huge dent in overall revenue. It did. But, but yeah. I mean, th- things like things just got so crazy that I, I, it just turned me off so much. And it wasn't like a lot of people wanted to put blame and vilify the players for not agreeing to this. But I'm on the player's side. Because all of the deals that the ownerships were coming up with were very owner-friendly, especially when you're considering the conditions in which the players were going to be asked to play and the amount of time that they'd have to spend away from their families because of this bubble they were trying to create to have the games be played. Because at the time, they weren't even sure where the games are going to be played. They were throwing around ideas to whether or not they would just use like Florida and Arizona, where they have all of their minor league stuff happening for to, to get all of these games in. And they wouldn't let the teams travel or go home to their families or anything like that. And the players were basically like, why would we do that for less money per game than what you would have paid us if we had a full season? Because the way they wanted to prorate the salaries, it would have eventually made them play for free after X amount of games, especially once you get into the playoffs. They'd be playing. If your team made the playoffs, you're playing for free. Hmm. Now, it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, you're going to forego, you know, one or two million dollars when you're already making eight or nine or whatever. But when it comes down to the semantics of that, like the ownership stands to make so much more money than the players. So really, they're kind of the villains here. Yeah. And I think the whole concept, too, and, and, and they were they were floating many different concepts out there. And, and you're right. And, and the players, I think the one thing, too, with the sticking point with the players was that Florida, Arizona thing was that was on the table for a while. Where, mm-hmm. You know, one league would play in Florida, one league would play in Arizona. So it's basically it was basically been almost like a six month spring training. Yeah. And that's just, that's not, that's not fair to the players. You know, mm-hmm. they have homes. That's not, although they travel quite a bit, that's not the lifestyle that they signed up for. Right. And to, to dock them pay and have them assume a lifestyle that they did not sign up for. You're right. I, I with the health entire, risks involved. With the, serious health risks mm-hmm. involved. Because, you know, there, there's, there's always the great unknown, you know, and, you know, each player, they have families, they have, they have grandparents, they have, mm-hmm. you know, so I mean, infant they, kids, infant kids. Yeah, you're asking them. So I agree. And I think that uh, I think Major League Baseball stubbed their toe and how they handled this whole thing. My feeling is when this started breaking in March, they had they had some time to figure it out. And they, they really couldn't. There's a pretty general consensus that of all of the major sports team or sports leagues yeah. that baseball handled this the worst. Right. Because at least, you know, when, when stuff started spreading in the NBA, they said, we'll shut down everything yep. immediately. And then when we open things back up, we're going to make some changes to the schedule and everybody's going to play inside of a bubble so that we can get this season in. Hockey did the exact same thing. Baseball was just like, yeah, maybe we'll play here. Maybe we'll play there. Maybe the teams will travel. Maybe the players won't. It, it really was just kind of piss poor the way they handled it it really was and 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 the thing about it is they had time to try to figure it out yeah you know i mean they 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 pulled the plug on the spring training and they said okay they basically had they're playing with house money Mm -hmm. basically the public said okay if you get something started after memorial day fine so they had two and a half months to try to figure out a decent plan and then even after that we head into july the july 4th 
supposedly the the prime time baseball still nothing set mm-hmm. you know and that's when i think people were getting pretty much disgusted well and in the meantime the players weren't even sure whether or not they should be maintaining their you know being exactly. in shape that whether or not they're supposed to go home you know it, it was around mid-June that there ended up being some outbreaks in some of the clubhouses. Then yeah. they ended up having to get shut down to be thoroughly disinfected. The the Phillies had a huge outbreak in their clubhouse. The Blue Jays had a big outbreak in their clubhouse in the minor league system where they have all of their spring training stuff. And it wasn't until June 22nd that they actually resolved all of the issues and said, okay, this is how we're going to start baseball. But then they resolved all the issues, but they hadn't even created a protocol yet as to how they were going to have all these players play safely. And they didn't even get that agreed to till the next day. And again, this is where like the kind of the business of baseball kind of comes in. It didn't even really get done. The deal between the Players Association and the ownership never got made. They had to basically dump the deal and then force the players to play the 60-game season because it was a provision in the contract that said, if we can't come to an agreement, this is the option that we have on the table, which makes the most financial sense for both ownership and the Players Association because then you can file grievances that neither team or neither side was willing to negotiate properly, and then you can get max reimbursement for your prorated salary. Right. It it was a mess. A huge mess. Yeah. And and I think of all the uh, of all the sports, you said that they they handled it uh, the most poorly, and I agree with that. And I think of all the sports too, that there's a le- a lack of legitimacy to mm-hmm. the season more more with this with baseball than anything else because you know you're playing like a third of your games, mm-hmm. you know, you're uh, half you've got a lot of players that you know opted out. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even decide, like, a 60-game season, that's really only, like, 40% of a season, of a regular season, regular season being 162 games. This isn't even half a season. Right. And, like, to me, it just kind of seemed like they're really only doing this for the money. Right. And while I understand that baseball is a business, I don't want to have to think about that when I'm watching baseball. And when you're watching games, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this when we start talking about the season in and of itself, but when you're watching games on TV with no fans in the stands and piped-in crowd noise and all that stuff, it doesn't feel like baseball to me. not at all. Yeah, and then, you know, we had some, and then teams uh, had issues where were the Blue Jays going to play? They yeah, I, I, that know? was that was next thing on my list. So so they decided on the 22nd that they were going to play the 60-game season. They were going to reopen spring training and call it a summer camp on July 1st with the plan of the 60-game season starting on the 23rd. And also the 2021 All-Star Game will be canceled till next year. So the Dodgers, who were supposed to host it this year, are going to get it next year. And then I think Atlanta was supposed to do it the year after that. They're going to get it in 2022. And then they also postponed the Hall of Fame induction ceremony because I'm sure they were expecting big numbers in Cooperstown for Derek Jeter's induction. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna postpone that till 2021. But then two weeks later, as you mentioned, the Blue Jays didn't even have anywhere to play. No. Because the Blue Jays being out of Toronto, it's the only Canadian Major League Baseball team, rest in peace Montreal, <laughs> the Canadian government would not allow the Blue Jays to play their home games in the Rogers Center because it would require too much border travel between the two the two stadiums. I understand and and kind of agree with that, but then they had to try to scramble to find a place to play. I remember they asked uh, the pirates Pittsburgh, yeah. if, if they could play in PNC park and they said, no, Yeah, which I understand that too. Sure. Especially with as little as we knew about COVID and how long it stays alive on, on surfaces and stuff like that. You're asking them to share clubhouses with people that you don't know. I totally get it. And eventually it wasn't even until a week before the season started, they decided that they were going to use their triple a Buffalo affiliate as where they were going to be playing their Major League Baseball home games. Yeah. Ugh. Again, yeah. major turnoff. I mean, I don't really care that much about the Blue Jays, but I would, if I was a Major League Ball player, 
knowing that I had to come up through that stadium in order to make it to the big leagues, I wouldn't feel like a big leaguer playing in a triple A ballpark. Yeah. And just, just the fact that they had to scramble to get out a place to play, place to play their home games. I mean, for what? Um, yeah, I, I think that it was, it was kind of a pointless season and you're, you're absolutely right. It, there was, there's too much money on the table for either side to walk away. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed watching, watching the ball games this year, but, um, there was always that in the back of my mind, like, what's the sense? What are we doing this? What for? What are we doing this for? Um, well, especially when, yeah. when you incorporate all of the somewhat temporary, possibly permanent rule changes to the game, which oh. we could probably spend a whole podcast on this, but let's get through some of them quickly. So some of the rule changes that they made in this agreement between ownership and the players union in order to get this 60 game season in included a 16 team playoff tournament style instead of 10, right? which I hated. Yeah, you saw you saw teams that uh, what two games under five hundred. Yeah, making the, the playoffs. The Houston Astros, for the first time in the history of baseball, made the playoffs with a with a record under five hundred. Yeah, the Phillies would have if they would have won that Saturday Sunday game mm-hmm. uh, last the, last weekend of the season, they'd have been in too. The the Brewers had a sub five hundred record in the yeah. National League, and they also claimed that eighth spot. It's always been a big pet peeve of mine, particularly with basketball, and even 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 a little bit with football because it occasionally happens in in the NFL that they're taking too many teams to the playoffs, and in doing so, they're diluting the talent well, of the playoff teams. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Ian, let me let me tell you something. I'm an old school guy. I loved growing up with, you win your division, you're in. Mm-hmm. Right? And the beauty of that is that, you know, you, you have to win that division. And there is no... No wild card. There's no short series of a three game series to where a you know a, a team that's you know bumping along around 500 could knock out a team with 101 wins. Mm-hmm. You know you don't get any of that. You get you get division winners. Yeah, going against one another. And back when I was in uh, in my teenage years and whatnot, I had a lot of friends that were Yankee fans and Oriole fans, and they, the AL East was always rugged. Mm-hmm. You had you had three teams that you know could potentially win close to 100 games, Yankees, Orioles, and Red Sox in the late 70s. Those guys were always hovering around 90, 95, 100 wins. And then the Royals would make the playoffs <laughs> with like 88 wins. <laughs> but that's the way it is. Yeah. And and so, you know, okay, so you have a couple of teams with maybe a 90-win season and you're sitting out, but that's the way it was. Baseball's a it's it's a marathon and they and they've turned it into a sprint. Mm-hmm. And uh so by expanding the playoffs, I just don't think it's fair. I think it's I think, you know, it's it's made for the teams that last through the long haul of yeah. the major league season. And you know, if you win your division with 88 games and you go against a, a Yankee team that, uh, you know, had 101 wins and you beat them, hey, that, that's that's part of the beauty of the sport. Well, fortunately, until we have another deal struck up between the Players Union and the ownership, which I don't think happens till the end of the 2021 season, we already know for a fact that the 16-team playoff was for 2020 only. Right. We're not going to see that next year. I hope we don't see that in any year. Right. Especially because, I mean, and as we get into the, the events of the season, we saw the Houston Astros. We've learned in baseball via the wild card rule that it doesn't matter who's the best, it matters who's the hottest. Yeah. And the Houston Astros, despite limping into the playoffs, were the hottest team in baseball. And they almost made it to the World Series, one game short of the World Series with a sub 500 regular season record. I never want to see that in baseball. Now, I do think that there's a lot of talent on that club. I think that they were a World Series caliber team. I think they had a lot of distractions 
on and off the field, which could have led to them not being a World Series caliber team, but that didn't mean that the talent wasn't there. But despite all that, I'm glad that they're only doing that for, for this one year or that they did it for just this one year. So another huge rule change, which big subject to debate, the incorporation of the designated hitter into the National League. I know how you feel about yeah. this. You know how I feel about this. Yeah. I hate it. I, I hate it. it. It takes so much. I mean, I understand the value in the designated hitter. I, I don't want to just skip right over that because there are players who are big league hitters who just can't field. Right. And and I think that having, I mean, I always thought that the American League had an unfair advantage of being able to have that on their teams, especially when it came to World Series time, because the construct of your team centers around your your nine starters. And when one of your starters is going to be getting three to four at-bats every single day, that's a lot different when you get into the World Series as when you have to try to find a guy who normally gets maybe three to four at-bats a week in your lineup when you're only playing three, possibly four games, depending on who's hosting. Well, yeah. And and I think that baseball for me is a uh, a, a multidimensional sport. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's meant to be so. You know, you talk about a, a five-tool player. Uh, we all know what that means. The, the guy excels, uh, you know, at the bat in in a couple of different offensive disciplines and defensively yep. in a couple of different. He can different, hit. He can field. He can run. He can throw. throw. Yep. Yep. Every so you know that's that's what you're that's what you're looking for, and that's that's kind of like the defining barometer as to uh, you know their their your effectiveness. But I think with baseball. The designated hitter hitter takes so much strategy out of the game, mm-hmm. you know, in these late innings, especially. Do I do I keep the pitcher in? Do I, you know, I'll, that's obvious. But to have a designated hitter and he and he only plays one portion of the game. Mm-hmm. To me, he's that's like the field goal kicker on the football team. Right. You know, he's kind of like part he, of the sport. He, he's the team, essential he's to not. the team's success. Yeah. But, but he's, he's is he Yeah, he he's he's not. He's kind of like a novelty player, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, you know, like uh, Edgar Martinez, Hall mm-hmm. of Famer or not Hall of Famer. I don't know. Uh, you know, he only played I think part, he is. I think he is. I mean, he's one of the great great hitters of the generation. But let's face it, Ian, he only played half the game. Yeah. And 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 let another thing too is these hitters, they go up, they take they take their swings, they go back to the dugout or to the cool locker room where you know the Derek Jeters of the world. They're they're trotting out to shortstop mm-hmm. after they're at bats. Uh, so I mean, uh, well, and it works both ways too because you have a pitcher who can't hit a ball to save his life or even bunt a ball in order to sacrifice himself for the betterment of his own you know on field strategy. It's it's to his. I need to calm down. <laughs> Pitchers are so. I mean, it's such an offensive minded game now that I can see it being implemented in the next agreement between the players association and the owners that the D- universal DH will be a thing. I, I, f- I think this year's experiment probably proved that it's worthwhile to do it regardless of how we feel about it. I mean, there will always be traditionalists like us that will argue against it, but I can't say that it's implementation, at least for this year, wasn't enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mean, I lived with it. I, you know, I kind of held my nose and uh, and lived with it this year. And I agree with you. I think that uh, this opened the door, and I don't think we'll ever see that go away. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that if not if not next year, but it, it's coming. But the other thing too is with the DH, I think it it 
it adds more power to the game. It adds more, uh, and and I don't think the game needs that right now. In fact, I think the pendulum's got to swing back the other way. I think you know I'd I'd love to see the days with the lower end of the order. You know, the slap hits, the hitting mm-hmm. hitting behind the runner. Well, with uh, it being pitches, with it being such runs. a such a statistical game now, yes, you're you're never going to find that anymore. You're not going to find that anymore. And you know, you know unfortunately, you're going to have guys like your Clayton Kershaws and your Madison Bumgarners who can actually hit for being pitchers you're going to find that going to the wayside too. Because sooner or later, especially once the implementation of this designated hitter rule applies universally throughout the league, pitchers aren't going to be worried about trying to be hitters anymore. Well, and, and you know what? And here's, 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 here's one of the main reasons I think it's yeah, the, the DH is here to stay, is it, it is such an offensive-minded game. It, and, and everything is geared towards the long ball right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see bunts anymore. Oh yeah, you you don't see hit and runs. Mm-hmm. You don't even see stolen bases for crying out loud, because nobody wants to get thrown out while Aaron Judge is at the plate. Mm-hmm. So I mean, everything is so, so geared towards the long ball that this this feeds right into it. Just you know, why have a wasted at bat three times a game in the pitcher spot? Let's let's put up a, a, you know a guy who's two hundred and forty five fifty pounds who can slug the ball four hundred and forty feet. Well, and the blatant evidence of that is how much we've seen defensive shifts evolve over the last couple of years. Because if it was that simple and you were just that good of a hitter, you would just hit it where the guys aren't. Now, there are guys like a Freddie Freeman that can do that. But with it being such a statistical game, unfortunately, that's just the way the game is now. It's what, what are the tendencies... And and everybody's trying to knock the ball out yeah, of the park. That's right. Now now instead of that's right. Now instead of hitting behind the runner or uh, you know shortening up your stroke with two strikes, and, you would you, never you, see a third baseman or a shortstop on the right side of the infield no, during an at bat. No. In, in ten years ago, and that's right. And just the the whole attitudes during at bats has has changed too. Mm-hmm. Guys guys don't shorten up their stroke when no. they have two strikes. They're still swinging from the heels. Mm-hmm. And and so I mean it is Except a long ball Freeman. game. <laughs> Except for Freddie Freeman. <laughs> it, it is it is a it is a long ball game mm-hmm. and it's either long ball or strikeout. And and there is no shame in the strikeout anymore. Yep. We talked it, about it, that before that, too. That used to be a badge of shame for a batter to strike out. But no no longer. So yeah, I uh, so that is that I think that in and of itself the 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 focus in baseball right now on the home run the long ball the offense we're we're going to see the DH here to stay I'm sure well another, we could talk about the DH for a whole podcast but let's yeah. move on to another rule which I think is going to be here to stay but I kind of wish that it wasn't because it takes again a lot of the strategy out of the game and it's the relief pitcher rule in regards to how long they're allowed to stay in the game because as of this season. Well, before the season, you can bring in a relief pitcher anytime you wanted, and you can play the strategy, and you can play the, the the tendencies, and you can bring in a pitcher for one batter, you can bring in a pitcher for multiple batters. But now the rule says a pitcher has to pitch if you bring in a, if you bring in a reliever, he has to pitch to three batters or end an inning before you can pull him. Right. I hate this rule. Yeah. I, I understand that they implemented it for the sake of speeding up the game, but is it really speeding up the game? Because the World Series games still go three and a half to four hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like the rule. I think it really handcuffs managers. And I, I understand what they're trying to get at. I understand the gist of, of why they're trying to implement this rule. But, um, you know, I go back to, to, you know, I blame Sparky Anderson. He started all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that Captain Hook stuff back in, <laughs> back in yeah. Detroit when, uh, 
when he he was he was the guy that started this uh, you know using multiple relievers in an inning uh, that was really unheard of prior to uh, Sparky Anderson in his days with uh, well, the Reds and the Tigers. Also, I mean, at the time, you didn't have to rely so heavy on your bullpen to get you through games because no, your didn't. starters went seven, eight, nine innings. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I you know, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, you know, the, the passing of so many great, great Hall of Famers this mm-hmm, summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Gibson, one of those yeah. who passed, in his miracle year of 1968, he, he, he was pitching a game in late April. And Red Shandies, the manager, came out and pulled him in the seventh. He was thoroughly ticked. He threw each start, each ensuing start from that late April game into August. He never pitched. He never was removed from the game before the <laughs> eighth inning. And we so, and we can and we can even even go back to this year's World Series as to why that's such a a, a normal thing now to where. Who was it in Game Six of the World Series that got Snell. pulled? Yeah, it was it, it was Snell. Blake Snell Blake got Snell. pulled, even though he was dominant. Dominant, sixty three pitches, sixty six mm-hmm. pitches, something like that. Yeah, so it's not like there, his there pitch was, count was way up. There was no reason to pull him from that game, but no reason. That that's where you start playing statistics versus yeah. gut. Yeah, that's right. And and I think that that back certainly backfired on the Rays, and uh, that's kind of distasteful too to the baseball fan because you know what? That I think everybody watching that game got the feel of the game, and even the, even the the Dodgers in the opposing dugout like, oh, he's he's getting yeah. pulled, um, and they were kind of happy about it. I'm sure. I bet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I don't know this 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 rule handcuffs the managers, and like you said, Ian, I I see that their intent. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to speed up the games. And they have to speed up the games. We were talking about this before. What was it, October 13th, 14th, one of those days, mid-October, was the 60th anniversary of Bill, Masco- Bill Mazeroski of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Historic home run, which won Game 7 of the World Series. Series in Pittsburgh. Beat the heavily favored New York Yankees, right? That game was played at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, mid-October, 1960. It involved nine pitching changes. There was actually some time taken... For an injury, uh, the final score was ten to nine, so a lot of offense. That game was played in two hours and thirty six minutes. Nowadays, that like nowadays, that's what you would expect a one nothing game to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. the The only way you're getting a game in in less than three hours is if it's cut short by rain or if it's one nothing. <laughs> yeah, one nothing, and and, and and yeah, a pitcher's duel where both of them go, you know, into the eighth or ninth. Mm-hmm. Both starters. Well, the relief pitcher rule, which we were just discussing, that's one that's here to stay. That was just implemented permanently, but it's going to be in beyond this season. Another rule, uh, n- no big deal here. Rosters were expanded to 26 instead of 25 yeah. players, 27 if you have a doubleheader that day. I'm okay with that, yeah, especially if you're fine. carrying a DH. Right. And with all of the injuries that happen with athletes nowadays, it's it makes sense to have an extra guy on the team. Right. Then there was the, the doubleheader rule. Seven inning? S- two games that are seven innings instead of two nine-inning games. That is not baseball. No. I understand why they did it, and I know it's only for this season, I did like that there was only a 45-minute turnaround between games when there was a doubleheader. I did like that. Because normally when you have a doubleheader, it's like three hours between games. Yeah. And I don't think that's good for the players. It's not good for the fans who have to be who are in the ballpark. Well, again, I'm going to go back to... I can remember a day when there were scheduled doubleheaders. Mm-hmm. And, and the doubleheaders, there would be, like you said, 45 minutes between the games. Mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon, Friday evening, twinighters. And they were great. Um, so, you know... Nine innings, though they they mm-hmm. play they played the full nine, 
And I think they adopted this from their minor league systems because the minor leaguers, they've, they've done these seven-inning doubleheaders for years, but the consideration there is travel right. a lot of times because these guys get on a bus. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they don't they're have chartered a, planes. Yeah, they don't have the chartered planes. Mm-hmm. They don't. So, so the uh, it's a little bit more primitive in the minor leagues. So, you know, they give these guys a little bit of a break and say, you know what, let's get out of town a little bit earlier and uh, and and get a head start. And there were so many double or double headers this year, especially because yeah, yeah. during the season there were COVID outbreaks left and right. Yeah, I, I think the final total was more more than forty games got postponed just because of COVID outbreaks. And then there was the violence in Milwaukee, which resulted in a, bun- a bunch of games in Milwaukee being suspended right that's totally understandable i mean even basketball suspended some of their games as a result of that but when you're suspending that many games in a season in which you're only playing 60 games these guys are playing like 12 games in 10 days yeah that's too much yeah they, that, it really was yeah when you play more than one double header a week which many of these teams did mm-hmm. that that's ridiculous and that's trying to shoehorn this season into that little calendar that they had yeah i mean and, no and wonder it wasn't fair no wonder players were opting out yeah i mean right. th- there were, there was probably i want to say somewhere around like 20 players opted not to play this season because of covid related concerns some of them like braves outfielder nick marcakis decided to opt back in yeah but i mean there were some players like buster posey his wife was pregnant with yeah. multiple multiple children he didn't want to expose them to it mike trout almost mm-hmm. opted out and, and can you imagine what the game would have even been like if guys like mike trout are saying oh, i'm yeah. not going to play the greatest player on the play, yeah, on the face right, of the earth right, right now. Then <laughs> you had Cespedes, who just didn't show up. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird situation that was. <laughs> oh, you went, out. you <laughs> chose not to show up to a game. Didn't even notify the team that he wasn't showing up. They basically said, "We don't know where he is. We might have to send a search party out for, for him." Safety. Yeah, they they thought he might have been abducted. He might have been hurt. <laughs> No, he just said, you know what? I, I just decided not to play. I'm going back to Venezuela or yeah. wherever he's from. Yeah, I, I decided this morning to opt out yeah. <laughs> right before the game. Uh, wow. Hopefully hopefully nobody picks him up. Right. Because right. he's a free agent this year. Yeah. Another rule, which I actually did like, I don't think we actually ended up seeing it implemented, but I wouldn't mind seeing it implemented in future games, is if a game ended up being postponed due to weather, or let me rephrase, suspended due, due to weather, they would pick up that game right where it left off instead of replaying the innings that were already played the night before. Yeah. I'm for that. Yeah. Because whatever stats that happened during that game should still count. Right. And before this season, they didn't. Right. So you can have a game that went four innings and you can have like a you know, a no hitter going and then you can't finish it because you start the next you're not going to pitch two days in a row. Right. Or you can have two home runs in the first four innings and then they end up not counting because they suspended the game. Yeah. I, I'm in favor of this rule. Yeah, I, I like that rule too. And you know, it, it just makes all kinds of sense. That's the way baseball is played, uh, you know, as as you're growing up. I mean, uh, Little League and Teeners and mm-hmm. Legion. I mean, uh, they, you know, that's that's what happens mm-hmm. if you get, you know, a, a weather delay or a weather postponement. So, yeah, it makes all kinds of sense. The The only other big things to mention was the suspension of all the minor league seasons, which is really unfortunate well, for those guys. What about the runner on second? Well, I was going to uh, – that was the last one I was going to end oh, on. Oh, okay. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, because we were talking about uh, rules that were implemented in the minor leagues, which were adopted just for this particular gotcha. season, which you just alluded to, extra inning games would start out with a runner on second base. <sighs> hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. I, I have a feeling that it's going to stay because it uh, brought it. Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say it didn't add a level of excitement to the extra inning games. 
and I understand that they wanted they wanted to implement it because not only does it bring an extra level of excitement to it, but it also eliminates the possibility of games going 16, 17, 18 innings. What's wrong with that? And here's here's my here's my thing. Why why is everybody in such a hurry to get out of the park? You know, and I I don't understand that. I mean, you've got an extra inning game going here. That's that's it's free that's baseball. Good baseball, and that's baseball at its best. You've got a tie game, and you know it's it's basically you get into those extra innings. It's a whole new game because you know your bullpen's depleted. You've probably used a good portion of your bench, so you might get to see a position player pitch. Right, right. Which you that's know. a whole other rule. We don't. We're not going to discuss <laughs> that either. But but you, it's it's. It's kind of like wild card baseball, you know? It's You don't know what's going to happen. Deuce is wild. You don't know what's going to happen next in, in extra inning baseball. And the longer it goes, the more the suspense builds. So with this runner on second thing, why is it? Why is everybody in such a hurry to get home? I don't understand it. The thing that really like kind of blew my mind about it is the concept of you can lose a game in extra innings without putting a runner on base. Yeah. Because a guy could start out on second, you sacrifice him to third, you sack him home. Yeah. Baseball is a tough game. Uh-huh. It's a hard game. It's a meticulous game. It's it's a talent-ridden game. It takes a lot to be able to, to implement that kind of strategy, especially counting on players who may not be as good at doing those things. But it's not baseball. It's not baseball to me. I'll tell you what. If they want, if, if, if the intent is, and I think it is, to speed up the game, then it should be. Mm-hmm. Here's some rules I'd say. Guys stay in the batter's box. You know, no, no fixing the gloves, this kind of stuff. Uh, well, they're not supposed to be. They're not supposed to be, but you got to enforce it. it. They, they do, do it. it. You got to enforce it. Uh, enforce the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the pitching change thing's going to help too. But uh, I think making it a faster game, like putting a runner on second base, I just think that takes away from the game because it's it's not it's not designed to be. Okay, let's see who how we can get this game over with in in the, in the quickest amount of time. Yeah, you know some games will take a long period of time. You know, extra inning they will, but I think just developing a, 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 a little more brisk style of play. Uh, you know, just keep it going, keep it going. You might have to shorten the TV the between innings uh, commercial time. I don't know. Probably never do well, that. Well, they they tried doing that already. I, I think right now it's only at like two and a half minutes in between innings. Yeah, but. Your biggest complainer about that is going to be the pitcher who's trying to warm up. Right. That's right. So, uh, you know, and another thing that I'm, I'm a big proponent of bringing back to, uh, to bring back, a, a, you know, a generation or two that we've lost to, uh, to, to baseball, and that is daytime World Series games. Ugh. You got to get back to day. You can't start these things at eight thirty at night, and they end at quarter or one in the morning. No offense. No these offense. are showcase games. No offense to you people who live on the West Coast. I do not want to watch baseball at eleven thirty at night. I can't. I have right. a job. Right. I have a day job. And, you know, there wasn't a single playoff game this year that I watched till the end that didn't make me get less than six hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 impossible. There's some – baseball's a great daytime sport. And uh, the World Series had gone a long, long time with playing exclusively day baseball. Mm-hmm. First World Series night game was 1971. So in the last World Series – day game was 1987 so we've gone a long time without day baseball 
in the World Series. Well, unless you live on the West Coast. Games. Unless you live on the unless, West Coast. Unless you live on the West because Coast. Because the games start at 8 Eastern time, but it's 5 in, in LA. Right, right. So, but yeah, these these are their showcase games. And and you've you've had a couple of generations of kids who haven't been able to to watch and, and, and fall in love with the sport because they don't get the thrill of seeing a seventh game to the end. Uh, you know, ah, it's a shame. With, with, with everything that we just went through, we're already 35 minutes into this recording. Oh my goodness. We haven't even talked about the season yet, but I've already come up with 15 reasons why I didn't want to watch baseball this year. <laughs> and then I, then you add on top of that, I couldn't go in any games this year. Yeah, that's right. Which is an annual tradition for me. I was looking so forward to being able to go to Seattle this year for Memorial Day weekend to see the Braves play the Mariners. It, it's a trip that I've been looking forward to for a while because they don't play in Seattle very often. Great stadium. And I and I couldn't go. Great city. No, no, no fans allowed. And then you're playing in front of cardboard cutouts of players, dogs, uh, and and people who paid fifty. You know, people paid fifty bucks, yeah, to have a cardboard cutout yeah, of themselves yeah. put into the stadium. And then at the end of the year, they would call you and say, "Hey, you need to come pick it up, regardless of where you live in the country." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy of mine did it. I thought about doing it, and then I'm like, "Oh wait, I'd rather have fifty bucks in my pocket." <laughs> Then, then, because I'm not going to watch the game on TV, looking for where they put my card, my cardboard cutout. Right. Because I honestly, I honestly tried to watch the first week's worth of games, and I couldn't do it. It just didn't feel like baseball to me. Watching National League teams with the designated hitter and the guy starting on second after the ninth inning, uh-huh. and no fans in the stands, piped in crowd noise, which is just weird. Yeah, I. Nothing about it felt like baseball to me. It just felt like this is a money grab and we're only playing because we're being paid to. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, uh, along with all the other weirdness of 2020, you know, baseball, I think in in addition to all that you said, and I agree, I think I think the zero fans in the stands was really odd and, and it was very difficult to get used to. But you know what? And, and in all of that, which is absolutely right, the thing that really stuck in the back of my mind through the whole season is it's it's a 60 game season what is that yeah that's an aberration that is that that is not you know when you're when you're playing like you said you know less than half of your season um that that's really not a season and so so Honest- that, that all all piled together it it just it just very low interest <laughs> honestly for me i didn't even get any type of interest until playoffs started and it wasn't until the playoffs started that they started letting fans back into the stadiums. I don't know if like one has anything to do with the other. I think it does a little bit. It felt a little bit more like baseball to me watching them. But at the same time, one of the other rules that they had implemented was that playoffs games were going to be played in particular stadiums as opposed to the home team stadiums or the, the, the teams that are playing. Right. For example, in the National League Championship Series, you had the Dodgers against the Braves playing in Houston Stadium, which... Just was just weird. Yeah, it, it's weird watching baseball between like I, it almost felt like I was watching an exhibition game, and I don't like watching exhibition games. It just had a really weird feel to it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but John Smoltz's commentary really started to bother me. I love John Smoltz. I'm a Braves fan, of course. I love John Smoltz, but it seemed like he couldn't wait to talk about any time the Dodgers did something in the NLCS. Joe Buck too. I'm not going to spend any time on Joe Buck. I've already said his name two more times than I ever want to say his name in a podcast. I hate Joe Buck more than I hate F.P. Santangelo. I'll put it that way. Wow, that's saying something. (laughs) I didn't think I would bring up F.P. this year, but... Oh, there he is. 
But like I said, it, it really didn't spark any interest for me until we got to playoff time and, and, and deep into the playoffs because the playoffs with, with at with having half of the teams in the big leagues go and two of them not even having 500 records, that turned me off immediately from the beginning. Yeah. But it wasn't until the, the teams that really deserved to be in the playoffs in this 60-game season started to face each other and we got rid of all those teams that it really started being meaningful to me. Now, even though the Astros made it to the ALCS having a sub-500 record, they were playing like a World Series caliber team at that point. And if they would have played a 162-game season, they probably would have been a 500 team. Yeah. But be that as it may, I'm genuinely hoping that things reach a degree of normal normalcy. I, I know COVID cases are spiking like crazy right now. I hope that we get back to a level of normalcy where we can start to attend games again because it won't be until we can attend games again that I can really say that I'm looking forward to watching baseball again. And I agree with you because I think baseball is, uh, and anyone who has gone to baseball games knows that uh, there's there's such a great difference between being at the baseball game and watching it on TV. And when you're watching it on TV, you recall what it's like being at the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that fan inter- that, that those fans that you hear and see on TV, you can kind of put yourself in their position when you're not actually at the game, but because you've been to the game. So you know the, the kind of magic that, uh, that a baseball game presents live. You, you and I both know people that may not be fans of the sport of baseball, but genuinely enjoy a, game, yeah. a day at the ballpark. Yeah. yeah, exactly. My daughter-in-law. We took her to her first baseball game, and she absolutely loved it. <laughs> Doesn't watch it on TV at all. Uh, yeah, because I, I can understand people who don't enjoy watching it on TV. I'm not one of those people. I love watching it on yeah. TV. But I can I can understand the mindset of, of the casual fan who doesn't enjoy watching it on TV because it's such a different atmosphere when you're there. The game goes so fast when you're there. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that those World Series games went by in a heartbeat for the people that were in attendance. But for me, watching it at home, it just took forever. Right, right. So, yeah, I think the uh, baseball is certainly a sport where, you know, that the lack of a fan base in the stands at each and every game is highly noticeable. And it's a factor, too. It's it's a true factor. So I don't want to just skip over everything that happened in the season, but let's talk about it in the in the perspective of who went to the playoffs versus who we thought when oh, we, uh, in in on March tenth, yeah, who would go to the playoffs? Because I, I know I said this to you off the air, we were pretty close, yeah, think- with, with our preseason <laughs> predictions. So, be it as it may, with the expanded playoff entries, when we look back at the season, when we first recorded the podcast on March tenth, before COVID shut down baseball mm-hmm. for a few months, yeah, in the AL East, we said it was the Yankees' division to lose, and if it wasn't them, we figured it'd be the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees ended up playing the Rays in the playoffs, and the Rays ended up playing in the World Series. Pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. And you know, and the Yankees faded towards the end. They, I, I, I still think they're they're the class of that division. Mm-hmm. Um, it's had some brutal injuries. And sh- shout out to Toronto too, because I, oh, I yeah. know I know that I said that they they were an up and coming team, and they 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 proved it this year. And they're only missing a couple of pieces before they're perennial contenders. And you know, and, and you you hit the nail on the head, Ian perennial too because they're young Mm -hmm. they they remind me of an american league braves team they've got a lot of young position players who who can play the game and uh so you're gonna we're gonna hear from the toronto blue jays in in the coming years no question about that 
But we also did say that how do we not get a Yankees-Dodgers World Series, and we didn't get that, but we were pretty close. We are pretty close. I, I think I think injuries really hindered the Yankees this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that their, their seeding in the playoffs was really affected by the fact that they weren't able to play 162 games, yeah. and they weren't able to play 60 games healthy because Giancarlo Stanton and Mike Judge both, both spent significant time on the injured list. Half of their pitching staff was depleted. Yeah. But m- moving on from there, the AL Central, we said the Twins were the class of that division. They were. And they were. Yep, they were. We we said, if not them, I, I said I really liked what Chicago was yeah, doing. Keep and they, on they, the White Sox. They yep. made it into the playoffs. In the West, we said, if the Astros didn't have too many on-the-field issues, I said I really liked Oakland. You were a really big fan of the Angels. Yeah. Which... I was a big fan of the Angels too. They just, it just didn't come together for them. It did not. Yeah, and and uh, for whatever reason, and maybe you know their whole franchise, Mike Trout, mm-hmm. he was kind of waffling on whether he was going to play or not. So you know, who knows? They 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 kind of spun their wheels, and maybe it was that indecision from their their superstar player. I don't know. New manager, yeah, Joe Madden. Joe Madden. You know, he didn't he didn't really get a crack at. Uh, at, at you know a full spring training and then then all of a sudden you're thrown in and you got a you got a 60 game sprint so I think the Angels I think they do have a good team uh, they'll be back but uh, yeah boy aren't the Oakland A's a great story man you, you can just never ever count them out no what Billy Bean has done with that franchise I mean it goes without saying because Brad Pitt told us all how we did with that <laughs> franchise but what he continues to do every single year and surprise everyone yeah. With with a, an island of misfit toys in a brutal division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the Oakland A's are always fun to watch, and uh, they, you know, they deserve they deserve a. Uh, they're they're like uh, the Tampa Bay Rays too. They're a West Coast Tampa Bay Rays. They they play at a poor stadium. They don't get a great amount of support from the community, but they have a franchise from top to bottom, organizationally, from you know, president, GM, scouting. Uh, managerial players are well coached. They're just like Tampa. You know these these two franchises. They do it right, yeah. and they're always competitive. Yet they're locked into bad stadiums, communities that don't support them. They they both deserve better. They do. So moving on from the American League, we we'll go to the National League. We'll start in the West. We said it was Dodgers or bust, and it pretty much was Dodgers or bust. They, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, Although, but you did give a shout out to the San Diego Padres, and they had a phenomenal year. I think that they are poised to basically take over as the class of that division now that the Dodgers have won their World Series. Yeah, I think the Dodgers will have a fight. They'll be challenged in that mm-hmm. division for sure. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I think the Dodgers are still going to be the class of that division. They they've got a lot of talent. But young talent, young talent too, but the the Padres are up and comers, mm-hmm. and uh, and and they have a a very good farm system. Their their ownership is putting all the pieces together, and you can see it starting to build year after year. Yeah, they are, and and Machado had a great year for mm-hmm. the, uh, San Diego Padres, as, as did Fernando Tatis Jr., as, yeah. who I predicted was going to break out as a star this year. I'm just going to say that, <laughs> and he did, <laughs> he, he did. did. So then we move on to the Central. We we both missed our shot there. We both called it the Cincinnati Reds, but we also said it was probably the least competitive division in the in the National League. It turned out to be that way, and I'm not surprised that the Cubs ended up taking first place in that division because they've always had the pieces. It just never seemed to come together, and really, with all the teams in the Central that made it to the playoffs, I think four of the five teams made it to the playoffs. Yeah. None of them made it past the first round. Right, right. Cardinals, Brewers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the you know I I'll be honest with you, Ian. The the uh, the Cubs kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, first year manager, and I don't know why they surprised me because maybe because I lost faith in some of their big names. Yeah, uh, the Chris Bryant's, the uh, the Anthony Rizzo's, um, even I John thought, Lester, even John Lester. You know, I thought, well, these guys are worth which they're they're, at. they're letting him walk. They yeah, they, they declined right. his option. Right. So you know, but hey, they they came back and they had they had a great year, no question. First year manager too, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which we were very critical of, but I think he did a good job. Yeah, he did do a good job. So that was that was my surprise. Uh, I was I was surprised by the uh, the strength of the Cubs season. And then I hit the mark. You missed it. <laughs> NL East. Yeah, NL East. Oh yeah, I, I missed I, it badly. I, I predicted the Braves to repeat as the three time division champs. You picked the last year World Series winning Washington Nationals to go back. And one finished in first and one finished in last. <laughs> like I said, I missed the mark badly. Um, yeah, I, 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 thought the, I thought the Nationals had all the pieces in place. And, uh, you know, d- d- coming off a high of a World Series. Injuries really plagued their Strasburg, starting rotation. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, Max they, Scherzer. Scherzer, didn't, yeah. Didn't have a Scherzer-type year. Right. And, and, and you got to wonder, okay, we talked about the, you know, how, how lackluster we looked. You know, we looked at the season as, as from, from, you know, as, as a lackluster season, these guys just won a world series. Now they're, they're talking about, okay, it's only going to be a 60 game series. How, how up can you get for that? You know, yeah. they were just, they were, all, they were at the mountain, they were mm-hmm. on the pinnacle. And so uh, I understand there's probably a little bit of a hangover there for them, but uh, yeah, I, I thought they'd have a much better year, but. I, I will say this about the Braves. Cause I have to, being a diehard Braves fan, I'm glad they didn't win the world series this year. The reason I say that mm. is because they haven't played in one in 21 years, and it's on my bucket list to see them play in a World Series before I die. And I said to a lot of people, especially when they were up 3-1 in the NLCS against the Dodgers, I said, watch these guys win the World Series and then never play in another one in my <laughs> lifetime. Because because even, even I, I had said when we were watching the game, I don't want them to win, but I don't want to watch them lose. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and and you know I get that because there is no guarantee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know my my dad, uh, he's eighty eight, and he's a longtime Phillies fan. There was a thirty year drought mm-hmm. between Phillies World Series games for him, nineteen fifty to nineteen eighty. That's a long time. So so you know there is there is really no guarantee that you'll get to see your team in the world series. Look at a Cleveland Indians fan, you know, yeah. uh, or, or even, uh, or, or even uh, the Dodgers Dodgers. Cause they, they came really, I mean, they, they won three out of four pennants before they won the world series this year sure. and they hadn't won one in over 30. So I think as of right now, now that the Dodgers have won theirs, I think the Braves are on the clock. Now they have a lot of young talent to build around. I think there's a couple of pieces and injuries really played a big part in, especially another starting rotation this year too. But I think when it comes to next season, I think that, the Dodgers have to prove that this year wasn't a fluke, yeah. and the Braves need to prove that they are better than that tanking of the NLCS. Well, I, I yeah, I don't know if it was a tanking. You know, let let's. I would also say that the Dodgers are a great veteran team. They've got they're in the middle. Let's let's face it, they're in the middle of a pretty historic run. You yeah, know, how many division titles in a Eight. row? Eight. That's that's massive. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is a veteran ball club, and they know how to win playoff games. And they go down in a series three games to one, multiple division titles. They're that's a that's a that's a dangerous opponent. To, you know, to beat the champ, you got to beat the champ. So um, yeah, I, I don't know if if the Braves tanked that Dodge or the Dodgers just came up and and, and grabbed it. But uh, I think I, the momentum really swung in that game three when they scored about fifteen runs yeah. in the first two innings. Yeah, I, I think that at that point I was like, I can see them turning this whole series around. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. It felt that way, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will say this, Ian, and uh, and I'm, I'm not just saying this because uh, you're a great friend of mine and, and, and a great Braves fan. Your team is positioned very well for the future. You, yes, you, they are. You've got to understand that, right? Especially as we're looking into this season or this upcoming postseason in which the, the big news is going to be whether or not they sign Freddie Freeman to an extension, which they're expected to do. Sign him. They have to. Have to. Give him whatever he wants. The dude's coming off an MVP season. He he wants to play his whole career in Atlanta. And then on top of that, their other big issues are who's going to be the bat behind him? Because this year it was Marcelo Zuna. Last year it was Josh Donaldson. Both great seasons, too. O- Ozuna is probably going to walk unless the National League implements a universal DH. Because I can't see Marcelo Ozuna providing a club very much value on the field. His value is in the batter's box. Yeah. And, if, and that was also the big unfortunate thing that – AL clubs could offer that NL clubs couldn't is if you can hit and you can't play in the field, you're going to get a more attractive offer from an American League team. Yeah, that's a good point. But I'll tell you what, the Braves, they're they're great when they roll the dice and sign these one-year guys like Donaldson and Azuna, aren't they? These well, guys did, have MVP-type years. It didn't work out so well for Cole Hamels, though. Uh, no, no. But that's probably what they'll do, and it may lead to them signing Trevor Bauer. We'll get into that. So as we finish up with the season, all right, I'll ask you this before we move on to postseason stuff. Do you think that this Dodgers World Series win deserves an asterisk on it? I don't I don't think they should put an asterisk on it, but I think everybody will recognize that it was a 60-game season and that it should be acknowledged, yeah. To me, asterisk means almost tainted. Mm-hmm. It's not the Dodgers' fault that it's tainted or, you know, but I think... Because they, they, were, they were heavily favored to not only play, but possibly even win the World Series before sure. COVID shut down the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we were treated to some really good baseball in those championship series. The two pennant races really brought us some good teams playing good baseball. I can't really say the same for the World Series itself. It seemed kind of a sloppy series. Especially that game that ended with like two errors in one play. But ha- having said that, I I really like the fact that it seemed like the best team in baseball won this year. Yeah, the best team in baseball won, and I, and I'll I'll go even a step further. I think um, the the two best teams at that time were in the World Series too. Yeah, I think I think Tampa Bay. Um, they they were both number one seeds, which doesn't number happen one very seeds, often. That's right. So I think that the the two left standing at the at the end of the regular season were playing the best baseball, and and that's what we got in the World Series. So it wasn't a fluke World Series like it would have been if the Astros would have gotten in, mm-hmm. or, or some team like that, you know. But yeah, I, so you know that puts a little bit more shine into the thing for me. But uh, yeah, I don't know if you put an asterisk behind it in the record books, but I think it, it, it'll forever be acknowledged as a, the end result of a 60-game season. So let's get into the, the postseason stuff, and we'll begin with the awards, which the finalists were already announced. We'll find out this week when this airs who's going to take home all the awards, and we'll just do the big three. We'll do Cy Young, we'll do MVP, and we'll do Manager of the Year. So... I actually already wrote down my predictions before they even announced all the finalists, so I'm going to have to change mine. <laughs> because when we're talking about the AL MVP, I said it would be either Mike Trout or Shane Bieber if they were going to give it to a pitcher, but neither one of those ended up in the neither one ended up as a finalist. So so the finalists for the AL MVP are Jose Abreu from the White Sox, DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees, and Jose Ramirez from Cleveland. If I had to pick from one of those 3, it's got to be Abreu, right? I, I I picked Abreu with with LeMahieu second. Yeah, and LeMahieu's going to get paid. He's a free agent this year. Yankees gave him a qualifying offer, which he's obviously going to get declined because he's going to get paid. Right. I 
I don't know if we'll have enough time to get into it, but I see him resigning with New York. I would think. I would think he's a he's he's a must mm-hmm. must grab for for the Yankees. I mean, he is uh, he's key, younger guy. He, yeah, he, he had a phenomenal season. I can't see how they let him walk at all. Yeah. Moving on to the National League MVP, it's between Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Manny Machado. Yep. I had Freddie Freeman written down even before they announced the finalists. I'm going to stick with that, although I can see Mookie Betts sneaking with it. I can. I don't think Mookie Betts will take it. But... The, the only reason I think that he won't is because the votes are tallied before the playoffs start. Right, right. And, and and Mookie Betts proved that in the play proved in the playoffs, particularly in the LCS and the World Series, he is an MVP caliber. I mean, we already knew he won an MVP in Boston, but... He reminded us all of the great player that he was, both in the batter's box and on the oh field, especially on the field. Especially on the field. He's got dude, a lot dude was of a skills. game changer in right field in yeah, the LCS. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of skills. He's a five-tool player. Absolutely. And uh, you're right, he's already got it. As young as he is, he's mm-hmm. already got an MVP under his belt. And a, 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 another World Series ring, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with you. Freddie Freeman, MVP. Uh, I thought hands down. In fact, you know what, Ian? I I think uh, I, I don't I don't know. I don't think we were too deep into the season when I I thought I was watching the Braves and man, this Freddie Freeman's having he's just having an MVP type season and he just kept it up all mm-hmm. season long. So this was one of the first years in which Freddie Freeman was putting up MVP numbers and was able to carry it out throughout the season. Yes, he was because I, it was two maybe three years ago that he was poised to win his first MVP and then he got a fractured wrist by getting hit by a, a pitch and it took him out for. I want to say like six to eight weeks, and he just couldn't swing the bat again after that. Right. And then last year, lingering injuries from that wrist surgery ended up prohibiting him from being able to get the proper swing back. And now that he's back at 100%, I think he put up ridiculous numbers. He showed – Freddie Freeman was always one of those guys. Like, of course, I know everything about him because I'm a Braves fan, but he was always like the National League's best-kept secret. Yeah. And I think this year, having a breakout year, especially with Marcelo Zuna hitting behind him, even though I'm surprised that Ozuna didn't end up in this top three. I mean, no offense to Manny Machado, but I think it's a two-man race between Mookie Betts and, yeah. and Freddie Freeman. I'm surprised that Marcel didn't get more consideration to be in that top three in finalists because he led the league in home runs and RBIs. Just Freddie Freeman led in every other offensive category. Right. That's, that's exactly right. You know, Freddie Freeman, he reminds me of Atlanta's version of Chase Utley. He has great years, but then he that's gets... blasphemy. <laughs> He gets derailed by by like a bad injury. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to Otley. Got hit by a pitch. On his way to an MVP season. Neither of them know how to slide, too. And he, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but but you know he's 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 universally respected mm-hmm. and uh, and he's and he's great and he's great in the field. Freddie Freeman. He, he's he's been a really great torch carrier from when Chipper Jones That's retired. Right. He, he's basically he's been the, the, bridge. The, the opposite side of the diamond from Chipper Jones. Yeah, and he's been the bridge to to the to the glory days of Chipper Jones to to, to these uh, these glory days. So yeah. Especially as we talked about with the business of baseball, you don't really see a whole lot of players actually spend their entire career with one team. Freddie Freeman has made it very clear he wants to be a Brave for life. And I think that even though he's coming up with a contract year next season, I think they're going to lock him up to another extension this year and keep that core of Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Freddie Freeman at the top three in the of the batting order. And, I mean, right there, that's – and if they can get another guy, Ozuna or better, to hit behind him, because that's, that's really the key to Freddie Freeman's success is having a guy that can hit behind him so that – you don't have to pitch around him. Well, that's right. And if it's not Azuna, and look, Atlanta's got a great front office. Mm-hmm. If it's not Azuna, they will find that piece. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta is a, an attractive destination for a free agent. So I don't especially think, now, especially like, now, like yeah. as you said, because they're poised to win. They are. 
All right, so we got the MVPs taken care of. Let's go on to the Cy Young Award winners. I think in the American League, I don't even need to read all the finalists. How is it not Shane Bieber? How, eight and one. And he he led the league in the, in the he won the he won the pitching triple crown. Yeah, he won the pitching triple. That's right. He, yeah. So hands yeah. down, hands down. Don't even have to mention the other two. In the National League, it gets a little bit more complicated. Yeah, I I like Trevor Bauer. I think he I think he was. That's pretty much dominant the whole way. I, I wrote down Trevor Bauer before they announced the finalists, and it's between him, Hugh Darvish, who had a great season in Chicago. Uh, yeah, he had, he had an eight-win season, too. And Jacob deGrom, who's always going to be in. He's, he's the Mike Trout of pitching. Yes, he is. <laughs> so I, I think I'd give it to Trevor Bauer. Yeah. If anything, I think he had the best year. Trevor Bauer, he's an interesting cat. Uh, I mean, he's going, in, he's, go, he's going to be a free agent this year. He's proven to be one of the most outspoken active players in baseball. His social media is yeah. constant source of entertainment, if anything. I'd be really interested to see where he ends up because he's made it very clear that he only wants to sign one-year deals for the rest he, of his career. Yeah, and you know what? It, we, we talked about this a couple of minutes ago. Atlanta, they love those one-year deal guys. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. But the thing with the one-year deals, though, is part, as far as Atlanta's front office is concerned, that they always end up buying low. I mean, with Marcelo Zuna and Cole Hamels, they gave them each, each $18 million. But that's on the low end for both those guys, because if Cole Hamels would have pitched and had a great year, he would have got a bigger contract next season. Marcelo Zuna is poised to bring in average $25 million a year in his next contract because he proved that he's worth it. Yeah, and, and it, he's, only, he's only 30 years old. Yeah, uh, yeah. But if not, I'll tell you, here's, an, here's another place he may land because they, they need they need some pitching arms especially a veteran pitching arm like this in order to contend in that division that is san diego yep we mentioned the padres earlier they're not too i actually far had away. It, i actually had it written down that if i were to pick a team today bauer goes to san diego yeah that makes all kinds of sense on mm-hmm. on both both levels i can also see him going to the mets because yeah. they because they have new new ownership now with money to play with i think yes and i think their mets are going to make a push for uh, a guy like Bauer, uh, I think they're also going to make a push for maybe one of the big position players, yeah. whether it's Real Muto, whether it's George Springer, one of those guys. But here, here's the other thing about Bauer. You mentioned he's an interesting cat. Yeah. Okay. And he is. But New York's not for everybody. That's and true. And sometimes those uh, those offbeat personalities, they But, they but the pressure, the pressure to be a Met isn't as high as the pressure to be a Yankee. True. True. Especially because of the Mets not performing that well the last couple of years, but I think if you like, they're in a position now now where Marcus Stroman is going to be a free agent, so they may let him walk in favor of getting Trevor Bauer. But you put him in there with Jacob Degrom, that's a one-two punch that's up there with Verlander and Cole. Yeah, you know, back when the Dodgers or the Astros had had the two of them, or Walker Bueller, Bueller and Kershaw, Schilling and Johnson. Yeah, I mean that that's a one-two punch that. I don't know many teams could contend with. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see where it plays out, but I think we're both in agreement that maybe Bauer wins the Cy Young this year, yeah. and that's going to end up leading to him getting paid. I'm going to guess maybe thirty million. Yeah, he, you know, he's going to get a get a big for one year. There. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, manager of the year in the National League, I put Don Mattingly yeah. because I think in Miami he did the absolute best that any any manager could have done with that team. He's a very underrated manager. Nobody, you know, look at that division. You had the defending World Series champs. You had the defending division champs. You had uh, the Philadelphia Phillies who... He is a finalist, by the way. It's him, David Ross, and... Well, Ross is another, yeah. The Cubs manager, Ross, he did an excellent job out there too. But I'm with you. I'm with Don Don Mattingly because I don't think anybody expected 
the Miami Marlins to even push for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And they did. They did just that. I mean, it was due to a really great start by them. I think they won like 13 of their first 20 games or something like that. Something ridiculous. They, they were not expected to do well. And they not only exceeded the expectations, they blew them out of the water by going all the way to the division series. Yeah. Now, once they got to the division series, I really didn't see them having any chance against Atlanta. And it turns out that they didn't. They right. got swept in that series. But it's put some eye like it's given me a fresh set of eyes on Miami. Especially knowing that like the Phillies are underperforming, the Nats are underperforming. Right. Mets banged up, underperforming. Yeah. I, I can see Miami making another push next year. And I think Don Mattingly, again, like I said, did a great job with that team that was not expected to do well. I mean, any one of these three finalists, be it Mattingly, David Ross from Chicago, Jace Tingler for uh, San Diego, I think any one of those would be a great manager of the yeah. year. But of, if, if I had to pick one of those today, I'd say Don Mattingly above the rest. I would too, because I, I, I don't think the Marlins, when you look at the other two clubs, the Padres and the Cubs, the, the, clearly they have some pretty big names on those on those squads. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Marlins just did not. Yeah. And so he, Mattingly took a, a bunch of young kids and, uh, and, and raw talent and he developed into a, into a playoff team this year. It's amazing to think that just like three or four years ago, the Marlins outfield consisted of <laughs> Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, Giancarlo Stan. With Romuto behind the plate. <laughs> and and the late Jose Fernandez on the mound. Yeah. One, what tra- a, tragic story for him. Tragic. That that dude. He was a Hall of Famer on the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he, he was a, he was a shutdown artist. Yeah, he was an ace. Um, well, let, let's let's move on to uh, the AL Manager of the Year, which this is interesting because for me it's Kevin Cash from Tampa Bay. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I I'm amazed that uh, Oakland's manager didn't get into the finals for this. It was Kevin Cash, Charlie Montoyo for Toronto. Okay, yeah, sure. And Rick Renteria from Chicago White Sox, who doesn't have a job there anymore. <laughs> because, and, and I'm sure you know this already, Tony La Russa is, is coming out of retirement, hasn't managed a game in nine years, is going to be the new manager of the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, he's in his mid-70s, right? How is he going to connect to this generation How's of kids? He, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's just a, an odd move, especially... And, and, and the game has changed so much in the nine years that he hasn't been a manager, especially oh, yeah. st- statistically, which if you've been keeping score at home, I haven't said that word right in the first try every time <laughs> I've said it. <laughs> well, and, and you know, look, look, La Russa never managed in the shifts or anything like this, mm-hmm. this, this uh, statistical analysis uh, uh, overload that we're doing today. Uh, great manager in his time. Yeah. But you're right. And, I think and he's like, what, like third all time in wins yeah, as a manager? Yeah, he's got a lot. I mean, my goodness, I think he started managing his, his managing career with the Chicago White Sox yeah. in the 70s. So he's been around. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It, it doesn't make sense to the fan base. It, yeah. it, it really only seems to make sense to the owner because I guess because he passed on him a long time ago, he wants to make up for that for some reason. Mm. Yeah. I feel bad for you White Sox fans. But I agree with Kevin Cash as the as the, I mean I, I think so too. Tampa Bay's been a good solid club for a couple of years, and they are they play in a brutal division, mm-hmm. and and they don't have the money that, that and, the, and the worst stadium in the league, worst by far. Yeah, so kudos to Cash the and 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 their their front office do a great job down there in Tampa. They des- they deserve better, like we said earlier. Yeah, but again, as we said, I think uh, I think Kevin Cash takes Manager of the Year. How about Rookie of the Year? How about the Phillies, Alec Bohm? You know what? 
Why not? Why not him? I think he had a great year. Yeah. I totally forgot about rookie of the year. I didn't write yeah. down any of the rookies three, of the year. Three, 338. I mean, the guy and the uh, the other kid uh, from San Diego, uh, Jake uh, uh, Cronenworth, outfielder. Oh. Uh, great, great young player. That dude's going to be good for a long He's time. He's going to be good for a long time. But actually, Bohm had more hits in less games than, than Cronenberg. But, you know, who, who knows? And so, the, so it's it's down to Bohm. Cronenworth, Cronenworth and, and Devin Williams from Milwaukee. And, yeah, okay, they who I don't even sense. know who that is. Yeah, yeah, and then in, uh, I don't know many rookies in the American League. Oh, he, he's a, he's a reliever for Milwaukee. Okay, uh, the one kid they seem to like a lot uh, as as a rookie in the uh, American League is uh, uh, outfielder for the Mariners, Kyle Lewis. Uh, yep, Ky- Kyle Lewis, Christian Javier from Houston, and, and Luis Robert from the White Sox. I, I think it goes to Kyle Lewis. I think. Yeah. I don't think that's even a contest there. Right, right. So, yeah. So, you know, they got the awards coming up, but... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see this week because they're handing yeah. them out during this week. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, we didn't even get to talk about who the big free agents are, and we are way over time. Are you kidding? <laughs> we are way over time. An hour went by already? We are an hour and 10 minutes in. Oh, my goodness. Ian, always a pleasure. Mark, I, I can't thank you enough for coming back to do this with me. It's one of my... I mean, it, it may not be the most appealing to my listeners, but it's one of my favorites to do. And damn it, I'm going to keep doing it as long as you keep coming. <laughs> I'll keep coming. Ian, it's it's always a pleasure. Uh, and, uh, I love being here with you. I'll, I'll see you in the spring for hopefully a 2021 season. Beautiful. Take care, my friend. <laughs> you too. Thanks again to Mark for coming on to the show and all of you for listening along. And we want to hear from you. Tell us what your favorite part about this season was, whether or not you agree or disagree with us in regards to the rule changes and who you think are going to win the awards this week. Get in touch with me on social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Ian Strong Words. You can find me there. You can email this podcast at strongwordspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, leave me comments, ratings, stars, all that stuff. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to do that because it does help out the show that you do. And if you'd like to do something to support the show, you can do so by doing all of your regular Amazon shopping through my affiliate link at the website strongwords.buzzsprout.com. Just go to strongwords.buzzsprout.com, click on the affiliate link right in the podcast description where it says click here. It'll take you right to Amazon or even open the app on your smartphone. Just do all of your regular Amazon shopping and qualifying purchases will give me a kickback, which I can use to cover production costs here on the show. It's of no additional cost to you, and it helps me out in the process. It's a win-win for both of us. Thank you for doing that as well. So that'll do it for another edition of the show. Come back next week as my monthly special bonus volume of Shot Glass Diaries takes us on another trip that I've commemorated with one of the many shot glasses that I have in my collection. But until then, as I say every episode, stay safe out there. Spend a little time every day doing something that you love. And if you got something to say, keep your words strong. How strong? Ian Strong. Strong words!